We're coming live to you from Canada. We're coming live from Canada. With Johnny, Johnny, Johnny White Trash. SLS cast. SLS. We're coming to you live from Texas with Matt and Tim. Tim is stuck in Mexico. The SLS cast. And welcome one and all to episode 140 of the SLS cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is naturally, but of course, the average human brain episode of the SLS cast. Because it turns out that the average human brain is 140 millimeters wide and with that little bit of brain factoid knowledge for your brain i of course am matt and coming to us all the way from the great white north where peak service bus routes are scheduled to operate on weekdays between 6 45 a.m and 6 45 p.m would be tim oh shit no i'm reading last week damn script. it damn it hi folks I'm Johnny White Trash. How's it going? How's it going? Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, good old Medicine Hat Transit. That's uh, that's a lot of fun there. Now I got a question because I have to work till ten forty-five. Yeah, driving the bus. So I'm wondering where I'm wondering where I could get a job that I could be done at six forty-five. Well, apparently, you just got no. You said yeah. peak. You said that's peak. Right. I said non-peak I said... runs from. See, look at this. You know more about driving buses <laughs> than I do. I have, you know, I have ridden them, you know. I mean, I'm not a bus driver, but I'd play one on TV. So, you know. Yes. But, uh, yeah. So, I, I don't know if, if, you, if you listener um, or listener, apost- you know, whatever, parenthesis, S, parenthesis, um, have noticed. But we're missing Tim. Tim is not with Tim has been uh, waylaid upon his arrival back home with a litany of things that have prevented him from being able to record um, even in the evenings. So we were getting basically he's stuck in a Mexican prison (laughs) and needs your help. Um, Yeah. So our, our resident Sony man. Um, who will still be sending in... Now, he's going to be dropping in news. He's going to be dropping in his movie reviews. So we are, you are still going to get to hear his lovely voice. Um, but, we're, but we needed... We were getting down to brass tacks, and thankfully, Johnny was able to bail us out. And so we have Johnny here. Thank you, by the way. Uh, and, and I noticed that your twiddle... Your twiddle? Are you twiddling yourself? Twiddle, twiddle, twiddle. Your Twitter handle is now a little bit different. So would you like to share that new Twitter handle, Uh, sir? Available in ADHD. Now, I still have Team White Trash, but we're, we're moving, we're changing, we're evolving. It's the same shit under a different name. So basically, it still smells as sweet. Little little Romeo and Juliet in there for you. Bringing a little class. 
Exactly. Bringing a little class. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so Tim made it back. He did make it back safely on Monday. Uh, today is the 13th of August. Well, at least for me, what's left of it. Uh, you know, Johnny's got a little bit more left than I do. But, um, yeah, so he made it back safely. Tuesday morning was when his flight uh Left And yet he just got held up with stuff. Um, he's had concerts and work stuff and family stuff and whatever else he's had going on. So um, he's going to be doing the normal editing process and all that good stuff and posting it up. But we will just have to be kind of throwing it to him in this process that we are doing. And I'd just like to take this time right now to say, sorry, Tim, for not sticking to um, the... Schedule we thought we were going to have. Um, uh, there's no point in apologizing because <laughs> if he didn't like it, he's just going to cut true. it all this out anyway. True. Yes, I mean we we might have this this whole thing might just be like a three minute show now where he just where, yeah. where it's just the intro and then it's just Tim going fucking Matt and then it's the end right there. I mean it's just yeah. So that works too. <laughs> that works too. Uh, anyway, so Mister White Trash, sir, how are you? Oh, fuck, let me tell you, if I were any happier, there'd be two of me and I wouldn't be able to stand myself. Yeah, but you could stand by yourself and prop yourself up. Yes, and then I could lean on me, self. <laughs> this, no, th- that didn't work. Let's, Let's start do that over, again. Okay? Yeah, you just asked me yeah, how well, I'm doing. Welcome to the SLS cast. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, oh. so... I I am I'm wonderful, Matt. Thanks for having me. And how the oh, hell are you? I am you? doing well, and I'm just glad that you were able to uh, bail us out and have some semblance of live interaction during the recording of the show. Uh, but I was I I was wondering. Um, now we, you and I, over the past few weeks, have now had multiple conversations that lasted literally no less than an hour, hour and twenty minutes, usually closer to two hours. Um, yes. And we don't record any of well, it. I was going to say, I, I, did, uh, I did manage to salvage the last time that we spoke. Oh, that was good stuff would right there. Would you want that? I would be happy to oh, send it yeah, to you. Totally. And you could just, you know, release it in snippets and spurts as you, uh, like, you know, I was talking. Oh, hang on, let me see if I can do it. You know, I was uh, trying to do this thing where I was talking about the Matrix with my buddy Matt. And this is what we had to say. Because I liked it a lot more than he did or his daughters who still haven't even seen the show. (laughs) I'm laughing because you, you ended up with a little bit of Bill Cosby enunciation in there. I like the Jello pudding uh, pops. The before I rape I'm, the people. Yeah, I was about to say I've got a drink going here. Is it still safe to drink? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, long distance roofies, baby. Ah, uh, long. Bill Cosby roofies. knocking women out faster than Ronda Rousey. Moving on. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, but yeah, okay. Well, then, good. I'll make sure to get that to you here uh, as soon as I can. Remember that class I said I was bringing to the show earlier? Um, Gone. Oh, oh, as in like refinement. I thought you meant like you were just doing to teach a class. 
So no, no, no. I, I, you know, little little Shakespeare quote to start it off, so that people are like, "Oh boy, I am in for some real enlightening conversation." And then it leads to Bill Cosby jokes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you got to give the people what they want, Johnny, and and what they've come to expect from you is not culture. Or if you're Bill Cosby, give them what they don't want. Oh. Hey, apparently some of that was consensual. <laughs> I mean, if you ask him, if you, you know, ask him, apparently some of it was consensual. I, and, and that's the you know, sad you know part. My biggest... but that, but that's the saddest part of all. That's the saddest part of the whole thing is that his defense is literally some of it was consensual. I mean, it's like, that's not a defense. Some dude. of it. Some of it. Now, I've had a big problem with Bill Cosby for like before all this. Why? Because he was on the Jon Stewart show. Okay. The, the Daily no, Show. No, that's fine. You, you can know, call it Jon Stewart John show. Stewart. That's what it was. Well, it was. It was. Now it's the Trevor Noah show, and we'll find out if that's any good. Or I guess that's been on for a few days now, hasn't it? <laughs> I don't Whatever. know if they were taking Whatever. a hiatus on it or not. So, Yeah, who gives a shit? But anyway, Bill Cosby was on the show. And, you know, Bill Cosby, kind of old, kind of frail. You know, he, you know, he, he kind of had to grab John, pull him close, and said, where, where is the chair? So, you know, John kind of had to, you know, I, I'm assuming Bill can't see so good no more. And at one point, at the end of the interview, Bill did something that got Jon Stewart to run up and around the desk and to his side, okay? Mm-hmm. At that moment, I saw Bill Cosby, which at that moment was a stand-up guy, lean over, grab Jon Stewart's pen off the desk, and put it in his pocket. And I'm like, you bastard! And... Then all the rape charges came on, and it's like, oh, I guess stealing a pen's not so bad anymore. Maybe John Stewart was really pissed off about the pen. Yeah. yeah I was like, <laughs> that motherfucker stole my pen. Here's your story. Here's your story. I'm retiring anyway. I don't give a fuck. You guys, you all start this story. Remember this. Rahifanol and Jell-O pudding. Okay? That's what you need to go to the news and say. Oh, my God. Uh, Uh, Yes, these are the kind of tangents I go on on my show. There's a reason it's called available in ADHD. Exactly. All right. Yes, I am diagnosed, by the way. Hey, that's even better because now uh, you you know from personal experience that of which you speak. Yes. And... That's as it should be, <laughs> as it should be. So, uh, we we have a little bit of mail. I, I'm checking the mail here uh, for the mailbox. If you want to send email to the show, of course, it's simply the show at slscast.com. Uh, it turns out that we have a new Twitter follower, and this Twitter follower, of course, is at the slscast. Uh, we have a gentleman here by the name of Richard Harrington, uh, a one at. R.G. underscore Harrington, who turns out here, it looks like he is uh, the chairman and CEO of Harrington Software, LLC, a software technology company promoting business excellence, data management, and quality assurance, USAF vet and pilot. Coming to us from Orlando, Florida. And I'm sure that that is just a desperate ploy to get some free advertising from my sultry voice. I was about to say, how... How many people is he following? I have no idea. 
But you know, oh, this okay. is just the thing I do. It's probably twenty thousand. Yes, maybe, maybe. I know that <laughs> I'm still like in that special echelon of having more followers than people that I follow. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I I delete a bunch of people every now and then too, <laughs> just to make sure. I, I'm trying to go with like a fifty, a fifty uh, percent ratio. And uh, right now I am following 205, and I have 435 followers. So I still fall into that 50% oh, ratio see, that doing, I'm looking for. You're doing great then. I think I'm in the neighborhood yeah. of like 60 or something. So you know. that, That's okay. You probably have more real people following you than I do. <laughs> yeah, and they said something about like, uh, it's, it's literally something ridiculous like 20 six percent or something like that of all twitter accounts are just bots and shit so oh yeah yeah it's terrible yeah secret she's not gonna dm me nudes <laughs> uh yes yes i didn't even have to learn that one the hard way i figured it out right away when she's all like yeah dm me this or follow retweet blah 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 and i'll dm you nudes and i'm like i it's the internet unlimited nudes yeah, but it might not be I don't news need, of her. You know what I mean? She didn't look that great. And and see, that's why it might not be unlimited nudes of her. So. But at the same time, at the same time, you know what they say. In the words of Ron White, you see one woman naked, you want to see the rest of them naked. <laughs> ah, good old Ron White. <laughs> All right, so we, uh, we have a little bit of news of the weird. Throwing some news of the weird at you here. And I'm going to give you a choice, sir. I'm going to give you a choice between a woman that was arrested or a bison attack. These are both news of the weird. So don't necessarily think that this is a normal arrest or a normal bison attack. But we, we only do um, one. We can only do one because that's that's the rule. And and whichever one we uh, don't do will be saved for next week. So you'll eventually get to hear it. But I'm going to give you the choice, Johnny. Do we want to talk about a woman's arrest uh, or do we want to talk about a bison attack? Well, I, I've heard about women's arrests and even weird women's arrests. I You don't often hear about a bison attack. Let's go with the bison Okay, now this comes to us from scmp.com, which happens to be the South China Morning Post. And this this was uh, done via the Associated Press uh, from their world section here. Yellowstone bison attacks woman who was trying to take a selfie with it. Yes. Oh. Yes, I have to say, quite frankly, that's not an attack. That's natural selection. <laughs> this is why. This is why I said. This is what I was just about to say. I think you chose poorly because I'm pretty sure the other one was way better. All right, so Yellowstone National Park officials are warning tourists, uh, or maybe they should replace tourists with Darwin Award candidates. Maybe that's we should take tourists out, but Darwin Award candidates in. Um, they are warning tourists to keep their distance after a bison flipped a woman into the air as she posed for a self-portrait with the massive beast. The dangerous encounter was the fifth run-in between park goers and buffalo 
this year. Uh, and of course, once again, making the South proud, park officials said the 43-year-old Mississippi woman turned her back on the animal to get a photo with it near the Fairy Falls trailhead just outside Old Faithful. <sighs> Folks, it's called wild life for a reason. Keyword there is wild. Wild. Yeah. Unpredictable. Can kill you. Most of it. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's just, uh, yeah. So, that's that's a little bit of news of the weird there for you. Some some fun news of the weird. Um, and, uh, would, uh, w- would you, sir, like to get to some, uh, actual movie news? Yes! Alright, well then, here we go, folks. It's... Do 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 do. This is the news. Do 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 do. Brought to you by Matt. Do 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 do. This is the news featuring John and White Trash. And Tim awkwardly submits some news as well from Mexico. The SLS Cast News. Yes. All right. So. News, news, news. Uh, now, in our in the general parlance, Tim normally gets to go first, but Tim is not here, and I just don't feel comfortable going first. So, Johnny, as our guest, would you like to go first? I, I know that there's something that you have been dying to dying to share. Okay, well, it turns out I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, IGN tweets out a tweet to their article, as they're proposed to do. I don't, okay. So IGN has an article, right? The headline is, Dolph Lundgren to reportedly take over for Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop 2. Okay? And I double-checked, I've read the whole article, it's not very long. Uh, It is not an April Fool's joke, because we're in August. Um, the Swedish actor, Dolph Lundgren, is reportedly starring in Kindergarten Cop 2, taking over for the original film's lead, Schwarzenegger. According to The Warp, you know, I should have just clicked on The Warp. Uh, You know, that's the way they do news now, though. It's like, I'm going to go read news on these other sites, put it on my site, and cite them. Never mind. Lundgren has signed on for the direct-to-DVD sequel. Now, here's the problem, folks. I didn't know direct-to-DVD was still a thing because I didn't know DVDs were still a thing. I mean, there's direct-to-Blu-ray, there's digital streaming where I think the majority of movies belong in this day and age, unless you're including something cool when I buy the Blu-ray, but that's just me. Anyway, carrying on. Uh, Sequel to the 1990 comedy. But he will play a different character than Schwarzenegger's John Kimball. Okay, so it's not the same character, not the same elementary school, yada, yada, yada. Lundgren's character is searching for a missing federal witness protection program flash drive. He's not even looking for a person. He's looking for somebody misplaced a flash drive. And also trying to steer clear of Albanian villains. Now, Lundgren... London won't be alone, because I knew you were worried about this, Matt. No, this is not a solo show. He will have an Indian sidekick named Sanjit. And I'm assuming by the name that that is uh, Dot Indian, not Feathers Indian. But that's happening. Now, this last paragraph here is what really caught my attention. 
Jarhead 2 Field of Fire director Don Michael Paul is helming Kindergarten Cop 2 with American Part 2 writer David A. Penning the script. And surprisingly enough, when I got to the end of this article, my first thought was, wait, there's a Jarhead 2? Because I love, I love Jarhead, so I, I think I might have to go track down Jarhead 2. But what what do you think about all that, Matt? You, th- you think... Uh, you think London's going to be a good teacher, you know, to send the kid to the corner? If he dies, he dies. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe when the kids start acting up, he'll just stop and snap a pencil in front of all of them and go, I will break you. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, because, and then even if you don't want to go that route, let's, let's just go, have you seen his character in, in The Expendables? Seriously? You're going to try and bring that into a classroom with five-year-olds? I just don't see it happening. Um, yeah, instead of, I, <laughs> instead of stop eating other people's lunches, it's stop eating other people's lunches. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, it's kind of like the Fantastic Four thing. I don't think it should be made, but if they're going to... I mean, I want to see the train wreck. I'm not going to lie. I want to see the train I wreck. Do, I, I will probably buy this. I'll even go out of my way to buy it on DVD. <laughs> uh, you know, no, no. Because I'm sorry. Fuck I, think, Blu-ray. I think when they're just doing... At this point, I think that if they're just doing a fucking sequel for the sake of a fucking sequel instead of actually having a real reason to do it, I think that they should be, like, if it doesn't make enough money or if it's just a bad enough idea like Kindergarten, then they should be forced to release it on the media that was predominant of the day, which means they should be forced to release Kindergarten Cop 2 on a fucking VHS tape. That I would buy that. And, and and I would, I would and, buy and that you and have I would to play watch it in my it, yes, VCR. But you have to watch it in a VCR because we actually still have the old clamshells, the the Disney clamshells. So the girls like to watch some old VHSs every so often. And but it, I, I also have the Little Mermaid. Ah, the penis insert. Yeah, the the original. Yes. Mine had two Little Mine Mermaid had two cover. inserts. I was like, man, this has got to be worth money someday, right? So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but when you go to put the Kindergarten Cop 2 in, it has to be into a VCR with really bad auto tracking so that it never, yes. you know. You know, I was just thinking about it. My VCR, because for some reason I haven't thrown it out, but I just realized I don't think there's a TV in my house I can hook it up to anymore. Ooh, that's not good. Most everyone. Yeah, I don't know if they have. Even, even TVs now. Oh, no, they still RCA. got the cable. I mean, they still have RCA books. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of my VCR has RCA. Oh, most of them do. That's that was. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, got to. Yeah. It's got to. I was trying to think. Yeah. I don't know of any that don't. But hey, well, you know, there are weird things that happen. So, but yes, that is an interesting article, sir. I think I'm going to start though on something a little bit classier, and then just devolve into something completely stupid from there. So from westerndailypress.co.uk, by Western Daily Press, because there is no direct attribution here. Uh, and this is actually, I forgot about this. I've been sitting on this for like a month, sadly. 100-year-old um, near-extinct silent films from Golden Age found in a tip in Devon. Now, uh, for those who are wondering what a tip might be in the parlance referred to here, it's basically another phrase for a recycling center. So that is that is what is up. Yes, 
The historic reels of film dating back to 1909 were discovered in a dumped shelving unit at a recycling center. See, there you go. Tip, recycling. Film buffs... Yes, film buffs Mike Grant, 56, and daughter Rachel, 26, were stunned when they came across the historic reels. Their interest was sparked after spotting two 16mm film reels placed next to a 1950s paint tin, which was wedged behind a cupboard. They found a further 10 old 35mm and 16mm films dating back to 1909, including a copy of The Cardboard Lover, one of just two remaining copies in the world. The MGM movie starred Marion Davies, a famous actress of her time. The rest of uh, them are a variety of feature films and shorts, ranging from roughly 1909 to 1913, and include films from France, Italy, India, America, and the UK. Now, Johnny, how much do you think a treasure trove like this, especially the movie The Cardboard Lover, one of just two remaining copies in the world, how much do you think that would go for? Oh, shit, I'll give you 20 bucks if you throw in shipping. You know, it turns out that that is exactly what was... What was <laughs> no, no, they wanted 10 pounds, and so that's like that's like 18 bucks. <laughs> that's like 18 bucks. And that's like, if it's 18 bucks for you, i got to say it's like 23, 24 for you. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. there you go. <clears throat> they they could not believe it. They said that they were amazed when they only wanted ten pounds for it. And but they're doing the right thing. They're doing the right thing. They are donating the lot to the British Film Institute, and I think that's really cool. Um, I I, I mean it literally. I maybe I need to go down to a recycling center and see what I can find. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Now were those still silent films back Some then? Some of them, yes. They did still, yeah, they, they, they had music available. Now, I don't think any of these are going to have any of the music that would have gone with them um, because they didn't have talkies yet. But the, there was still people who played music. They had sheet music usually that would be written especially for it and stuff like and things like that. But um, I would imagine these particular filmmakers are just going to be completely silent. Were they talkies? No, but uh, they, you know, it was not unheard of to have music specifically written for it that would then be played in the theater. So, okay. so I guess right. that, cool. I mean, we'll go with that in terms of sound. But yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. Next up here, we've got OrlandoSentinel.com by way of Frank Carnivale. The Dark Tower film announced for 2017. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this article is from August 6th, so this, of course, was last Thursday. Uh, it says that on Thursday, so I'm assuming that day, <laughs> Sony Pictures released dates for 16 films in coming the next... And coming 16 film in coming... You know, you have a journalism degree, Frank. Come on, you need to use it, buddy. You got spell check in there, too. Uh, let's see here. Sony Pictures released dates for 16 films coming in the next years, including a January 13th, 2017 date for The Dark Tower. Yes. Stephen King's series of seven novels, technically eight, um, though the eighth one is really kind of book 4.5 and doesn't have to be part of the series. I'm I may know a little bit about this series. It's entirely possible. Uh, about gunslinger Roland Deschane in search of a dark tower that he hopes will save his world, which started in 1982 with The Gunslinger and concluded in 2012 with The Wind Through the Keyhole, 
which is actually the eighth book and is actually book 4.5. Man! Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, let's see here. There's also a prequel comic book series, interactive video game, and this is a project. This is long. This is a long-awaited project here. Um, is what I wanted to get at, really. Ron Howard's been trying to get this done for years and years and years and years. And they're actually going to be doing, along with the films, they're actually going to be doing like a TV series that's going to be kind of worked in between the films and stuff like that so that you have a better idea of a way to expand on the universe without having to have uh, seven-hour movies and all this kind of stuff. Um, Have you ever read The Dark Tower, Johnny? No. Okay. Um, This... I've heard about it, though. Now, my buddy Jeremy... Um, who more or less was the impetus of this very podcast. Um, he is he got me turned on to Dark Tower. This He said it's one of the favorite series he's ever read and everything like that. And I gotta be honest with you, I, I am not sure. Even after all this time, um, man, I, I, cannot, I cannot truly say whether or not I was glad I read that whole series or not. Um... It's weird. So I'm I'm very kind of on the fence about this film series because on one hand, I so desperately want to see it come to life. But on the other hand, I've read it all. And I don't know what would happen when people got to the end of this thing. <laughs> so ah, I mm. guess we will. I guess we'll eventually find out, theoretically. Unless, of course, Sony decides to reboot it three movies in. I don't know. Anyway... <laughs> oh, you! Oh, I see what you thank did. Thank you, there. thank you. All right, and also a little bit more Sony news. This time from the Columbia Pictures side, from Geek.com by way of Ryan Whitham. Um, Columbia Pictures copyright claim results in own Pixels trailer being taken down. Um, yes, they they are now so broad and so ridiculous in their ever-present quest to, to do DMC, uh, DC, I'm sorry, bleh, DMCA takedowns, <clears throat> that the company that they hired out to do it attacked Columbia Pictures. It also attacked the actual guy who inspired the movie. The, the whole reason this movie was this guy named uh, Patrick uh, Jean, or John, or whatever, Patrick Jean. This guy... Is the imp- he's literally the reason why Pixels got made, and he ha- it's based on a short film called Pixels. And you know what? They sent DMCA ta- DMCA takedown notices to this guy too, and which creates like strikes on their Vimeo accounts and their YouTube accounts and, accounts and stuff like that, including Columbia Pictures' own trailer because it said Pixels. They basically just said if it has Pixels anywhere in the title, then you have to take it down. Yeah, that well that most of those DMCA or DMCA, yeah, whatever. Most of those takedowns it's just an algorithm and it's just run so shitty and it's automatic. Folks, <clears throat> take it from a guy who's dabbled in YouTube for a few years. If you ever get one of these notices, always challenge it. Because generally speaking, nobody's paying attention on the other end. Challenge it, and it usually goes away. But there's there like there's two forms of strikes you can get on YouTube as well. One is basically 
they want your ad revenue for that video. And that one you just acknowledge. They take your ad revenue. They put ads on your videos, whatever. And the other one is, no, we want this video taken down. Now, I've never got the, no, we want this video taken down. But it does remind me of just this one little funny tidbit story from back in the day. Do you remember the Harlem Shake, Matt? (laughs) Uh, Sadly, yes. That craze of 30-second videos made to the tune Harlem Shake. Now, the people who released the song uh, Harlem Shake, basically, same thing. Like, most of those algorithms on YouTube work on audio, Mm. right? And it's like the same kind of audio that uh, SoundHound has or one of those apps. And it's like, hey, this matched, blah, blah, blah. So... Lots of people were just acknowledging it, and they were making, like, they were hitting billions of views because everybody was doing videos, right? Here's the funny thing. It turns out in that one 30-second sample alone, the people who put out the track Harlem Shake used two, not just one, but two separate uncleared samples. And guess what happened to them? They got sued. <laughs> so I, I just, I love that kind of uh, outlaw justice there. It's like, uh, hey, you guys, you guys can't do that, man. We're going to take all the money back. And then it's like, hey, you sampled our song, so we're going to take all the money. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But no, the <sighs> digital copyright claims are a joke because they're, nobody's sitting there watching every video uploaded to YouTube to hit the button. True. True. So. All right. Well, let's see here. We're getting down to the end here, folks. See, I, we can do lots of news. We, there's tons of news to be done. There's not going to be a bonus segment this week. We're actually going to be moving. We're going to be pushing back Copycat Throwdown for Dante's Peak and Volcano uh, to episode 141. So we're just pushing it back a week, um, and then hopefully we will be officially back to normal. Uh, but we've still got we've still got news. We've still got news for you. Uh, from entertainthis.usatoday.com by way of Kelly Lawler. Architects want to build a replica of a Lord of the Rings city for the low price of 2.8 billion dollars. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, if you are a fan of Lord of the Rings, I, I, this is how she starts it off. Wouldn't a life-size replica of the Minas Tirith from Lord of the Rings Return of the King be cool? Heck yes, it would. And these architects would be happy to build it for you if you fork over $2.8 billion. Yes, folks, it seems a group of UK architects and engineers are completely down to make the dream of a Minas Tirith IRL a reality. But they're going to need some dough. <laughs> like a lot of dough. The group has started an Indiegogo page hoping to raise £1.85 billion, that's $2.8 billion US, in 60 days. <laughs> 60 days. Not 59, because that's just crazy. And 61... That's just too long, you're drawing it out. 60 days. Yes, that sounds insane, but they do realize it. Quote, our goal is to raise 1.85 billion pounds within 60 days. We're fully aware of the scale of our ambition, but we hope you realize just how special this project could be. 
Uh, now, they do go into the costs, uh, you know, covering for the land, the labor, the supplies. The rest of the money is supposed to be maintenance and public services until the year 2053. Okay? They, and that's supposed to be 30 years worth of maintenance and public services. Because they, if, if they got started, they would get started at the end of 2016 and then complete the project by 2023. Um, it, it, and, and there's perks. There's perks. She, she goes on to say, and like all good crowdfunding campaigns, they do have rewards. For £25, you can get your name on a monument and a free tour. For £1,720,000, you can get a 100-year lease on a luxury four-bedroom penthouse with, quote, the best views, the best facilities, the best of everything, end quote. Um, now, they also said, though, uh, that if they don't reach the goal, they're not going to charge anybody. So they'll cancel all the pledges and send the money back if they don't make their goal. Um, and they have, so far, 471 people that have donated a total of 15,881 pounds in just 12 days. And uh, that leaves 48 days for the rest. Now, are they running this on Kickstarter Indiegogo. or? Yes, Indiegogo. Oh, yes. Indiegogo. And I gotta say, uh, that that one point seven million pound thing, I would be willing to bet you Stephen Colbert would jump on that. Yes. So maybe we should contact him, let him know to Yeah, he he would probably be all over it. The problem is you still need like two hundred and eighty Steve No, you need twenty eight hundred <laughs> Stephen Colbert's this is true. To make this, but I'm glad to hear that at least they have plans of like building suites in it and sending tours. Like at least they're planning on doing something practical with this structure. Yeah, um, I think they missed the only practical thing about it, which is I don't think anybody really wants one that badly. Uh, let's see. So I'm going to close out my news here with this from the Telegraph.co.uk. Uh, by way of Cat Brown, Backstreet Boys in NSYNC to make zombie horror film with Sharknado team. And there may be even a role for new kids on the block, Jordan Knight. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm totally going to watch this <laughs> if it happens. Uh, apparently it is a zombie. Uh, let's see. Nick Carter told, tells Rolling Stone, quote, it's a zombie western futuristic horror movie. My character is still being worked out right now, but I'm a good guy that's going to help save the day. <laughs> oh, this is him talking, end quote. This is him talking about it in real life. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I don't, I'm not going to read anymore. I think, I think my IQ may have slipped a little bit just, just from that. Um, oh, that... That's great. Now, what's his what's his brother Aaron Carter gonna do? Um, I'm I'm thinking he's gonna be like the whiny little kid, you know. What about me? I want I want to be a zombie killer too. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, That's what yeah, he did yeah, yeah. To get his own album the first time, so. Well, yeah. I mean, we can't all have Jimmy Neutron dreams, but you know, some of us can. Yeah. Anyway, so I, yeah, I guess. Did you want to talk about your last little thing there? I do have one little thing in, to talk about. In. All right, bring, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one last thing to talk about here. Um, I just found out today 
uh, I went looking at the local movie listings because Mrs. White Trash wants to go on date night tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so we, we ran through, uh, you know, movies. And I said, let's go see, because she sent me a text with some movies. I'm like, you didn't mention Straight Outta Compton. And she said it wasn't there. I said, bullshit, you just don't want to go see it. I look it up. No, the vast and clearly open-minded town of Medicine Hat, Alberta, has opted not to bring Straight Outta Compton into its local theater. The closest theater I could find is a three-hour drive, and this movie does not mean that much to me, so we're going to the casino tomorrow night. Maybe the casino will have it. Maybe. But that's all I had, so (laughs) here's Tim with the weather. Hola, Matt. And hola, Johnny Whitrash. This is Tim, awkwardly submitting my news to you. Uh, as how Matt explained, I may or may not be in Mexico, and I may or may not have just dropped my dreams of becoming a filmmaker and a writer and all that stuff, and decided to be a meteorologist, where I found time within the past week to get my license in doing so. But I'm going to take time, you know, telling people the weather, and I'm going to give you some entertainment movie news. First off, here from ScreenCrush.com, Uggy, the scene-stealing canine star of the movie The Artist, is dead at the age of 13. Yes, I might be a meteorologist, but I still like to start my news off depressing, especially with animals. This is written by Matt Singer, and it says this, The artist was never an easy sell, a black-and-white silent film made in 2011 with a cast of French actors unknown in America. A big part of what helped this unique project cross over with U.S. audiences connect with viewers all over the world and even win an Oscar for Best Picture was Uggy, the adorable Jack Russell Terrier owned by the film's main character. As a side note, though the dog is cute and fantastic... Even without the dog, the movie is still fantastic on its own. Anyways, back to the article here. Obedient, intelligent, and cute as hell, Uggy stole scene after scene from the from his scene. Obedient, intelligent, and cute as hell, Uggy stole scene after scene from his human co-stars, and in the wake of the artist's surprise success, arguably became just as famous as actors. Jean Dujardin in Bernice Bejo, Uggy walked the red carpet at every award show, did the, sh- did the talk show circuit, and even wrote his own book. It was a pretty good life for a terrier, but it sadly came to an end last Friday, or two Fridays ago, when TMZ reports Uggy was put to sleep after a prostate illness. He was 13 years old, and that's about 70 in dog years. Now, after struggling to find a home as a puppy, Uggy was likely destined for the pound when he was rescued by his owner and trainer, Omar von Mueller. He later credited Uggy's success to his fearlessness. Quote, One of the most important things is that he was not afraid of things. That is what makes or breaks a dog in the movies. Whether they are afraid of lights and noises and being on sets, he gets rewards, like sausages, to encourage him to perform. But that is only a part of it. He works hard. 
end all quotes there. So we are sad to see, um, at least I'm a little sad, though he is a dog, and he did live, you know, pretty old, but it's never fun hearing about uh, about pups, cute, talented pups that you we are all familiar with, um, just ha- be put to sleep or pass away due to something like uh, prostate cancer, you know, or ju- just cancer, and you know, for a dog especially. But again, his name was Uggy. He was the dog featured in The Artist, and he died at the age of 13 puppy years old. Next up for me, uh, this is a bit of news that I am actually super excited to share with you. A couple years ago, I started reading this book called The Devil in the White City. This is written by Eric Larson. He wrote multiple great books, including uh, Isaac Storm is one of them. And The Devil in the White City is the tale of the Chicago World, or uh, actually I should say the World's Fair that was held in Chicago in the late 1800s. And what they did for the World's Fair in Chicago is that they were trying to figure out a way to, uh, to, to, you know, surpass the World's Fair that was held in in France some years before. And one of the big reveals at that World's Fair was the Eiffel Tower. And so, what these guys, these engineers and architects set out to do was to out-Eiffel Eiffel himself and create something magnificent. So what they did is that they built this white city in the middle of basically marshland and uh, of Chicago near, I think it's Lake, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, not Lake Jackson or Jackson Lake, uh, the, the main lake that's there by Chicago. And so they overcame... Uh, 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 strikes, unions, um, a lot of, there, there's, there was just so many ups and downs, especially with the Chicago weather itself. And on top of all that, during this feat of engineering was being produced, there was a young man named H.H. H. Holmes who would lure young women who came to Chicago to either go to the World's Fair or to find work at the World's Fair he, he recruited them to come work for him or to stay at this hotel that he recently built. And in this hotel, I mean, this hotel really isn't your run-of-the-mill hotel. He basically built this hotel to murder these women and to sell their bodies off to uh, medical colleges and whatnot. And these women... I, and, okay, I don't want to get into too much uh, detail here, but it's it's a fantastic book, and I find myself going back and rereading passages of it because it is a great, suspenseful read. But anyways, uh, from Deadline.com, Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Scorsese, Billy Ray, Team for Devil in the White City as Paramount wins auction. That is right, folks, and this is written by Mike Fleming Jr. Exclusive. A killer role that Leonardo DiCaprio has wanted to play for a long time finally is coming to the forefront after Paramount just closed a splashy deal to acquire the Eric Larson book, The Devil in the White City, Murder, Magic, and Madness at the Fair that Changed America. There was a big auction that have had five studios chasing and three bidding aggressively, Universal and Fox were the others before Paramount captured a package that has D, uh, that has DiCaprio starring and reteaming with his Wolf of Wall Street director Martin Scorsese. Billy Ray will write the script. Appian Ways DiCaprio and Jennifer Davison are producing with Stacey Sherm, Scorsese, and Emma Tillinger Koskoff. 
This is a big one for recently minted Paramount Film Group president Mark Evans. It's expected to be the next collaboration for DiCaprio and Scorsese, who've made five films together. Uh, and the article goes on there, goes into a, a, a bit of a bit of detail um, that you can go back and check out if you you would like. This book came out some years ago. Um, uh, I think oh, it's been over ten years, maybe two thousand three. I think. And like what it said uh, here in this article here, Martin, Squ- or Martin Scorsese has been wanting to make this movie, and DiCaprio has wanted to play the character of H.H. H. Holmes. And I gotta say, I, I am really excited uh, for this movie to come to fruition, because I've been waiting for somebody to, you know, to, to have some kind of interest in this story. And I think Martin Scorsese is a fantastic choice. I mean, just think about his work on... Uh, Gangs of New York, where he created this, or he actually, uh, uh, you know, thrusted you into the world of New York at that time. And it's fantastic, and I'm really excited to see this movie actually happen. Um, Normally I say, oh, I would love to work on movies that I'm super excited about, but really I cannot wait to sit in the movie theater and actually watch this film. It's going to be great, and I highly recommend all of you to... Don't stop what you're doing right now, but maybe after the podcast, go on Amazon, go to your local bookstore, and buy this book. This is Eric Larson's The Devil in the White City, which Paramount recently acquired at an auction, uh, and uh, it'll star Leonardo DiCaprio and will be directed by Martin Scorsese. Let's see. Um, I'm just going to do a few here because um, I just want to do only a few. (laughs) <laughs> because I, I I am in Mexico, uh, apparently. Um, again, from ScreenCrush.com, you'll finally be able to watch one of the most notorious lost movies ever in 10 years. And this is written by Matt Singer. Uh, and this is definitely an interesting one. I'm not too sure exactly how I feel about it. In the annals of infamous never-released movies, there is The Day the Clown Cried, and there is Everything Else. The film, directed, co-written, and starring Jerry Lewis, was made in 1972 and then shelved permanently. Why? The given reasons vary from source to source, from rights issues to legal battles. There is also the matter of this being a Jerry Lewis film about bumbling German clown named Helmut Dork, who leads Jewish children into the gas chamber during the Holocaust. By Lewis's own omission, the finished movie was a mess. For years, he vowed that no one would ever see The Day the Clown Cried, and so far, almost no one has. The few souls who have managed to track down an ultra-rare copy have only grown the movie's legendary status as an epic boondoggle, the likes of which has never been seen in movie history. And one of these guys was uh, Harry Shear from The Simpsons. He, uh, he saw this movie, and he called it a perfect object of awfulness, and that's a quote. Lewis Lewis repressed The Day the Clown Cried for decades, but now out of nowhere, bad movie lovers have renewed hope of seeing this disaster, following up on a tidbit during an, uh, following up on a tidbit buried in a Los Angeles Times article about the Library of Congress, the New York Post reports that the library has acquired Lewis's entire archive of film material, including a print of The Day the Clown Cried, on the condition that the library not make the film available for 10 years. 
Starting in June 2024, The Day the Clown Cried, quote, will be available to scholars for viewing in the Research Center at the 45-acre Packard campus in Culpeper, Virginia, and will be shown to the public in the 205-seat theater. End all quote. In uh, the article itself continues, a theatrical release isn't forthcoming, uh, because the Lewis estate still owns the film rights and will most certainly keep the movie from wider circulation. But come 2024, if you can get your butt to Virginia, you will be able to watch uh, perhaps the most notorious film of all time. End all quotes there. Uh, and this is when I would say, Matt, what do you think? And there would be no response this time. Next up... I'll just mention real quick, Winona Ryder says that Beetlejuice 2 uh, is actually a thing. So uh, I don't know if any of you guys have heard that or not. She uh, she mentioned this on Late Night with Seth, Late Night with Seth Meyers. Man, I haven't actually had to say that out loud. Late Night with Seth Meyers. She was a guest, and what did she say? Can I find the quote anywhere? I cannot. Basically, she says it is most definitely happening, happening, uh, and that is not really a quote, but you can find the video on Hulu or possibly even on YouTube. Uh, it's uh, via Late Night with Seth Meyers, and that was from when Winona Ryder was the guest star or the one of his guests, and that was from a few days back. Um, let's see here. Ooh, okay, I'm going to end on a very interesting high note here from DangerousMinds.net. Normally I get my news of the weird from DangerousMinds.net, but not this time. Every once in a while they have gems of movie or entertainment-related news that is actually really good, and normally people on drugs would be the only ones to really actually notice this stuff and uh, and actually think about to uh, actually come up with a way to, uh, to, to actually write an article or come up with an article to... or come up with a way to... or come up with an idea to make this an article, whatever. From DangerousMinds.net, you can't have sci-fi movies without corridors. Lots and lots of corridors. That's right. Who hasn't had the experience of chancing upon an, un an unexpectedly empty passageway in a subway station or an airport and thinking, quote, man, they should really use this place for a sci-fi movie, end quote. I'll bet you that Serafin Alvarez has experienced that same feeling. He's been running his blog, which is called Sci-Fi Corridor Archive, since 2012, and in that time, he has posted pictures of notable and not-so-notable corridors from a whopping 192 science fiction movies spanning the entire history of sound-enabled cinema. The earliest movie in the set is Yakov uh, Protozenov's an Alita from 1924. I will admit I am unfamiliar with that film. There really is something about corridors that seems to describe sci-fi in a way that wouldn't be true of, say, westerns or gangster movies, gladiator movies, musicals, pirate epics, and hard-boiled crime flicks. Indeed, the image of a hermetically sealed passageway that clearly connects two other chambers floating precariously in space is very close to the heart of the sci-fi that we all know and love. 
In fact, I would argue that the witty 1999 classic Galaxy Quest has more or less commenting on this fact, seeing as how a good portion of the scenes you probably remember best seem to take place in anonymous hallways. And they give some examples here, uh, still of Star Wars, A New Hope, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Alien, Flash Gordon, Solaris, Tron from 1982, The Fifth Element, Logan's Run, THX 1138 from 1971. Actually, that's a good one to reference there. Uh, Metropolis, very early one. Brazil, especially. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Blade Runner, Robocop, The Matrix, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Planet of the Apes, Star Trek, yada, 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 yada. And it goes on from there. Um, And it's very interesting because if you think about it, some sci-fi movies rely on how it is shot, like cinematography. And for a sci-fi movie to really be effective, um, not... This isn't the case for every single sci-fi movie, but for a lot of films, you need to establish a tone or an atmosphere or, or something that is cinematically uh, pleasing to the eyes, to the senses, or to the, just to the atmosphere itself. And all these movies, especially with Alien, you have to feel like you are there with the character. You know, the alien is hunting you right there along with Ridley and... Or Ripley, not Ridley. Blah, 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 blah. My bad. And so you have to be in that same moment with her, you know, as she's kind of in the middle of all these corridors that are kind of overlapping and she's in the center of all those openings. She doesn't know where to go because you never know if the monster's going to be down this one or the other one or up in the ceiling of that one or down below the floorboards of this other one. So, you know, you, you need those, not necessarily you need those corridors, but you need that feeling of isolation. And my God, there is no better way to feel that way than, you know, than seeing depth. And a good way to, you know, to, to show depth in a film is looking down a corridor or a hallway. Uh, another film, not necessarily a sci-fi film, I guess so you could look at it as a sci-fi film, is The Shining. You know, the little boy on his little tricycle riding through the hotel. You know, just all those highways taking those turns going down this and that hallway. The movie would not have been effective if when he looked down the hallway and those girls, those two girls, were not just at the end of that hallway, you know? Because it's still creepy, even though there is that spacing in between the two. You know, he could have... He could be down there with those girls. But there's not. It creates tension. Depth creates tension. And it's and it's fun. And again, it adds to the moodiness and the atmosphere of these films. And again, especially sci-fi films. And uh, again, this is from DangerousMinds.com. You can't have sci-fi movies without corridors, lots and lots of corridors. And uh, they reference uh, a blog, again, written by Serafin Alvarez, which is called Sci-Fi Corridor Archive, which he has been keeping up since the year 2012. And guys, that is my news from Mexico. That was amazing weather, Tim. Well done, sir. Oh man! Oh boy, it's sure gonna be hot. I need to tell you that that sure that that sure is better than uh, who was it? They had someone who uh, some movie star that tried to do the weather and just fucking failed at it recently. I can't remember who it was, but that's all right. Uh, Let's see here. So again, we don't have any. uh, We don't have a, a. 
a bonus segment for you this week. Again, next week we're going to be back. Hopefully we will truly be back to normal uh, like we were supposed to be this week. But um, And we'll have our copycat throwdown of Dante's Peak versus Volcano, both from 1997, both disaster movies. Um, both about volcanoes. Oh! Um, but until then, we will go ahead and get to the final segment of our show, which is, of course... Movies, 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 yes, so this cast, of course, talks about movies, and apparently we're talking about two, and Tim is still in Mexico, somewhere down south, not really, he could be in California, and just was busy doing other things, but SLS cast, talking about movies with Johnny White Trash and Matt, Matt in Texas, Casta. Yes. So, the movies for this week were Lost Soul, or the full title, Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau, and War. Wait. What? Wait. There was a problem. Well, because, now this is maybe a deep cut for some of the listeners, but I thought we were reviewing Jersey Boy on Boys tonight. (laughs) You never sent me the poster or the, I don't know, you were supposed to send me something for us to be able to review it. Do you mean that I watched this movie for no reason? Oh, I'm sure you didn't watch it for no reason. No, no reason. It's one of the worst porns I've ever seen. There weren't even any girls. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, oh, I, could, I couldn't resist the old Jersey Boy on Boy reference. I'm telling you. Well, it has been a while. It's been, you know, a great, a great, great while. <sighs> but, all right, so um, now normally, again, we uh, give this, uh, you know, we, we give it to Tim to ask us where to start, but he's not here. So we're going to have, again, we're going to have Johnny jump in. Johnny, steer us, sir. Direct us to the first of the two movies that you would like for us to discuss. Well, I'm going to go with the order I watched them in, and let's start with Lost Soul. All right, folks. Lost Soul, also known by its full title of Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. It's a 2014 documentary that was directed by David Gregory. Um, This actually um, recounts the complete misguided adventure that was Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, It's following it from from its genesis... In the mind of Richard Stanley, who um, had basically just been successful, uh, very briefly he had ha- he had done oh good lord what is the uh, what was it ah uh, it's a it was one it's a one word movie shit. Hardware. Hard- yes, thank where? you. Hardware. hardware. Yes, good God. Uh, so yes, he had just come off of uh, wrapping up hardware and everything. Uh, he was doing. He was actually getting some notoriety in a good way, and decided that he wanted to tackle Island of H.G. Uh, Wells, Island of Doctor Moreau, and he wrote it out. He had worked with some people. He had gotten a script going, and 
he had pretty much been given just this small budget. They were like, okay, you know what? Sure, why not? Let's let's give it a shot. Um, New Line Cinema, the people behind the horror franchises of the late 80s and early 90s, like Nightmare on Elm Street and whatever, uh, they were not really considered... Uh, you, you didn't go to New Line necessarily for good cinema, but you did go for... Uh, high production values for interesting movies. For example, like Nightmare on Elm Street, what have you. So these movies were making money for the studio, but they weren't necessarily well thought of. Um, So we then go on this journey as Richard Stanley goes, gets greenlit for this movie, and yet somehow we end up landing Marlon Brando, we end up landing Bruce Willis, we end up I mean, James was, it turns, it just snowballs and balloons his budget. And... We watch this movie as it starts off, gets turned into this amazing thing, and then devolves into this just pile of shit. Now, I was one of the 12 people that went and saw Island of Dr. Moreau in the theater back in the day. And I simply could not believe... I, I, didn't, think, I didn't think to myself I should get my money back. That's... <laughs> It's just, this movie is just not, um, just not good. Now, in terms of Lost Soul, however, this is a movie that, for me, is better than the, you know, Death of Superman Lives and everything. Um, I gotta say that this movie was very, very interesting, but not really very good. Um, I would have to say, and I had spoken to Johnny a little bit about this before we jumped on and started recording. It, I, I, I liken it to, this would have been a great bar conversation. Like, everybody's sitting around getting shit-faced, and we just hear it from the horse's mouth over the course of 45 minutes. Um, I think this would have been a fantastic story. But just this format, while, again, very interesting in terms of these very out there characters. Richard Stanley is definitely out there. Um, and all of these misadventures, all the crazy stuff that was going on. But I don't know. It just... the. I think they were just relying too much on the story itself being so gripping that they didn't have to really worry about production values, even for a documentary. Um, or maybe... I, I'm not sure. I, I'm going to give this one 3.25. Um, mainly because it really, really is interesting. And I think as someone who is big into films, if also if you are a film buff, I believe you will probably find this interesting as well. But this is definitely not one of the best documentaries you'll ever see. So, What do you got for us there, Johnny? Well, like I told you when we were kind of talking before, uh, I originally laid down in bed last night to watch this because you know it's got netflix i'm netflix in my bedroom i'm gonna watch this and for some reason 10 minutes into this movie my netflix went berserk and just wouldn't let me watch this movie so i put on a youtube video while asleep watched it today now i think my netflix was doing me a favor but not but that's not to say that the movie wasn't bad. It was to say it didn't have a hook in me yet. What I found with this is all of a sudden, 
you, it just it just puts this little hook in you that you can't feel. And next thing you know, you're like staring at the screen with anticipation because it's like, oh, that's fucked up. What happened next? Because it's a beautiful tale about how um, shitty Hollywood is. Because really, behind all the movies and all these beautiful and, and brilliant creator creative types... There are a bunch of soul-sucking shitheads, and they're the ones in charge. Don't kid yourself. But the thing with this documentary was it, it just – I can't say that I was enjoying myself, but I can say I could not stop watching once I made it far enough in. And I did walk away from the experience thinking to myself, I'm glad I have that knowledge now. I don't know if I'm glad I watched it, but I'm glad that I have that knowledge now because the the first 10, 15 minutes just seemed like this puff piece where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, this guy's the greatest director that ever lived and all of a sudden thinking, going, you know, <clears throat> I remember watching this movie and this movie wasn't very uh, good. It, I, I, just, I just don't remember liking it at all. I don't, I don't even know if I watched it the whole way through. But, so I'm like, why are they puffing this guy up if he made such a terrible movie? And then it's like, and then we fired him. And I'm like, oh, they took the movie away from him. And sure as shit, you know, spoilers, but you can see it coming. The clear message of this movie was Island of Dr. Monroe wouldn't have sucked if the director, I I keep wanting to say Lord Stanley, but that's not it. That's a that's a that's a cup that you play hockey for. But the director Stanley, whatever. This is clearly just somebody trying to suck him off. Is is what it is. Um, however, it did hold my interest. I got to give it a, a solid, right down the middle, three stars. I, I don't think I wasted my time, but I don't think I'm a better person for watching Did this movie. Do you have a six-star rating system I'm not aware of? Oh, no, sorry. I deal in whole stars. Oh, okay. If you, if you have a, if you have a five-star rating, that means it's, it's an out-of-five rating, so you have to pick full stars. Now, I know you guys break this rule. Yes. And I have no problem with that, <clears throat> but... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it's always been my silly little thing, but but like when I hear it's like I give this a quarter star, I'm like, what the fuck is a quarter star? I don't know why you guys are doing a great job. I'm not trying to tell you how <laughs> no, to do anything. Because, okay, it, it 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 basically came from needing something to be. It needed to be more specific because for me, splitting it down the middle is two and a half, right? It's okay, right? Because if but if you have one to... is if one is hate it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, and five is loved it, then I can't say I didn't like it, but I'm not really gonna say I liked it either. It was just okay. So I, you know that was kind of where it came from. So that you know, and... Well, and I'm with you guys, and you guys you guys have a system, and I understand. Like when you say. This movie is worth this. I understand that. You just won't hear me do okay, that. Okay, well, fair enough. But I don't have a movie podcast, so you don't really have to True. worry about and it. I don't have a very clever show title either. 
So. <laughs> I, had, I had to look your show title up. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, no, because I'm like, SLS, and I was telling somebody, I'm like, yeah, and I was listening to the SLS guys, what does SLS stand for? Fuck, I don't know. So then I went and looked it up, and now I know. <laughs> it's right there on the website. Yeah, I had to go to the website to See, find out. <laughs> that's the, it's a, it, you'd think it's a great way to drive traffic, and yet, no, <laughs> it's just it's not. All right, well, okay, so then. You know what would help? Mm, nudes. Mm, well, get a hold of that girl who's supposed to DM you the nudes, and we'll go from okay, there. Okay, and then we'll put them on slscast.com. <laughs> Uh, traffic will go through the roof right. and speaking of traffic here's tim with the traffic all righty lost soul okay so i've been really excited to talk about this one uh because a couple weeks ago we reviewed the death of superman lives which uh that one was about tim burton's superman movie that failed and actually it failed all around so that they actually didn't make the movie with nicholas cage as clark kent and superman but also because one of my other favorite movies or documentaries about a failed production is of one is a documentary entitled Lost in La Mancha, which you can actually find on Netflix, which is the failed attempt of Terry Gilliam trying to make a movie of Don Quixote. In fact, he's been trying to make this movie for years, and it just kept falling apart until recently he stroke up a deal with Amazon, and he actually might be making the movie with Amazon's help, which is exciting. Um, but unlike those two movies, unlike Terry Gilliam's Don Quixote film, and unlike Tim Burton's failed uh, Superman movie, The Lost Soul, or not Lost Soul, but The Island of Dr. Moreau was a movie that actually got made. Now, usually with these films, once it reaches a certain point, like if the budget becomes inflated, or you know the budget goes out of control, or the director you know, is is losing his grip on the production, they'll just can the film, especially when not a whole lot of it has been shot. Um, and that's even taken consideration of, of already having actors and spending the money on building sets and, uh, you know, locations and crew and all that stuff. You know, a lot of times they'll just go ahead and just can the film because in the long run, they're going to save money on advertising and not actually distributing the film. But in the case of The Island of Dr. Moreau, they got rid of the director and brought on somebody completely different to direct the film. And that is really only the basis of the movie. Uh, and, and, and really, that's kind of what make this, makes this movie very entertaining to watch. Because once the problems start happening and you see them taking uh, the production company, taking a measure like getting rid of the director, something else happens, you know, Cause, and, and you start to realize that it's not really, it wasn't completely the director's fault as to why this movie became the piece of shit that it was. I mean, the movie isn't god-awful because it is laughably bad. And while watching this movie, it was fun to see all the causes of, of I mean, all the reasons why this movie was laughably, laughably bad. Um, and a lot of that could be attributed to one of its leading actors, who goes by the name of Marlon Brando. And that's all I will say about that. Um, this is a fun documentary, uh, and I thought it was better uh, than a lot of the f- uh, a lot of the movie documentaries that 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 comes out. Um, kind of like with uh, with the death of Superman Lives, 
Whereas that one to me felt like it was it was like a it was like a really good special feature on a DVD, like a feature length special feature on a DVD or Blu-ray that you would watch after you watched the movie itself. Um, this one actually felt more like a documentary film. However, I did kind of like the death of Superman lives a little bit better due to the subject matter and exactly how the death of Superman lives fell apart. Um, and to be honest, I gave it a four when we reviewed the movie a couple weeks ago, and I meant to give that movie a little, a bump it up to a 4.5. I actually liked it that much more than originally admitted. Because with Lost Soul, I give Lost Soul a solid four-star rating. I thought it was very entertaining, kept my attention the entire time. Um, and, there, I mean, there's definitely criticisms about it. Like, they could have uh, uh, handled aspects of the of the material a little bit better i thought but it's really not meant uh not worth going into too much detail about i highly recommend everyone who is into filmmaking or into movies or even interested in the story itself or even if you do like the story of dr uh, the island of dr moreau or if you love the movie itself you should definitely check this out it is on netflix uh watch it I give this one four stars out of five. La Soul. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll avoid that street for sure, oh, Tim. Yes, what a what a what a stellar review. Truly a review for the ages. All right, and I guess since you know process of elimination at work here, we are left with 2007's War. Uh, it's an American action film directed by Philip G. Atwell, um, and it was done with fight choreography by Corey uh, Yoon. Stars Jet Li and Jason Statham. This is definitely kind of supposed to be like a worldwide, international-style movie. And basically, we've got two buddies who are FBI agents. They are trying to take down whatever heroin crap. I don't even remember what the hell. Um, They inadvertently end up shooting this uh, guy named Rogue, who is supposed to be like the world's greatest assassin ever in the history of the world's greatest assassins. And they inadvertently wound him or whatever. And so his partner, Jason Statham's partner, who actually did the wounding, um, ends up getting killed over it. And so now Jason Statham has been on a mission ever since to, you know, kill this rogue guy. And... Jet Li, of course, is, you know, the guy playing this rogue. And, of course, we have um, twists and turns and all of this stuff as, uh, as Rogue is basically trying to turn the entire criminal underworld around. And at the same time, Jason Statham is trying to avenge his partner. And will Jason Statham be able to do that? Will Rogue succeed in his quest and elude Jason Statham? Watch this movie to find out. Actually, don't bother. This was one of those movies that was right after Jet Li had made a statement of, I'm retiring from kung fu movies. And people were like, what? No, man, Romeo Must Die was amazing. And he was like, oh, oh, well, I'm sorry. I just mean to say I am retiring from the kung fu master, you know, like these kung fu epics. I'm not going to be doing any of those like epic things, you know, like the movie Hero and whatever. 
And so people are like, oh, man, dodged a bullet. Outstanding. And so then war comes out. And you're like, yay. So you go and watch it. And there's probably about 40 seconds of martial arts in the entire 103 minutes of this goddamn movie. So it was like a complete bait and switch. And the thing is, is that for me, and I was telling Johnny about this when, you know, a few days ago. I am a, I, my guilty pleasure uh, is Jason Statham films. I realize that they are literally all the same. Um, but for me, I have just, I've always liked Jason Statham ever since The Transporter. And so I just watch Jason Statham films. They're great for me. I was just not pleased with this movie. Um, it's it's not that it's bad. I mean, it's it's uh, for the typical kind of fare that it is. It you know, all right, whatever. I mean, go for it. I guess it's 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 not necessarily a bad flick. There's action in it, but it's gunplay action and stuff like that. When you go in and you're looking for Jason Statham and you're seeing Jet Li as a bonus, you're like, okay, we're going to see some serious ass-kicking going on. And just none of that really happens. And so I just kind of felt like, you know, I felt let on. I felt let on and my heart was hurt. And I remember at the time, like, not seeing this movie because I was worried that, that was going to happen, but I had since forgotten and then was like, oh, wow, I haven't seen that movie. And then I watched it. Um, so I'm going to give this one 2.25. If you've seen a Jason Statham movie, then you know what you're getting into. And if you don't like those kinds of movies, you're not going to like this one either. I can't quite say it was okay. Didn't quite not really like it, but uh, so again, like last week, I'm just going to split the difference. 2.25. What do you got for us there, Johnny? This is one of my, what I call, Sunday movies. I like, on a Sunday afternoon, when I'm not working, because fuck shift work, anyway. When I'm not working on a Sunday, I like to, right around, you know, lunchtime, after I've mowed the lawn, I like to sit down in my recliner with a big, tall glass of lemonade. Maybe it has vodka in it. Maybe it's a lemonade and beer, but I like to just have a drink and just watch what this movie is to me, and that is, excuse me, <coughs> pardon me, sorry about that, let me take a drink. As I struggle with this frog in my throat, folks, if you want to learn how to podcast, here's the number one thing or here's here's some of the things you have to learn how to fight through you have to fight through hiccups burps and frogs in your throat okay we're past that no i like to just sit here and watch what i call a standard baby face heel story now those are wrestling terms and i know this isn't a wrestling podcast so for the uninitiated that means good guy bad guy movie now without trying to give everything away uh, yes, this one has what's known in wrestling as the double turn, where maybe one guy starts out as the good guy in the beginning and then turns heel, and the one guy starts off heel and then turns babyface. And that's fine. That's fine. And it worked for me because I could just sit there and I can watch it. Uh, you know, it, it starts off with some, some dialogue that lets you know these guys are good friends. And it lets you know that something's about to happen. Something happens. Movie carries on. You know. Um, the big um, reveal about a character uh, 
to me, yeah, that was easy to see coming. But to me, this was one of those movies where it's like, yes, I know this about the movie, but does this character know this? You know, does this character know what I know about the other character? This is really hard trying not to name names. But basically, does Statham know the truth about Jet Li? Because I knew it, right? And you watch the movie and you just watch it unravel. You see blood. You see shooting. The weird thing about this movie for me was part of... Because back when I watched it, when it first came out, this wasn't in my head. But my first thought was relatively early into the movie was no Han stay away from him he's going to kill you in Furious 6 <laughs> you, you know like there there are certain characters like I, this is one of the things I love about going back and watching some movies is like there's these characters that it's like okay that is Han from Fast and Furious that is Suki from Fast and Furious what are they doing in this movie and so I, I enjoyed that I enjoyed the blood the gunplay uh, the storyline, just like I say, sitting in your recliner with some kind of hard lemonade, watch a movie unravel, perfect movie, any other day of the week, any other day of the week, I would give this movie a two, but on a Sunday, i give it a three. Right on. Yeah, because there, there was nothing in it that made me go, shit, I'm going to watch this again next Sunday. So it, it can't bump up to four. And it wasn't a masterpiece, so it can't go to five. But well, that's fair like enough. I said, on a Sunday. You, get to see, you also get to see Jason Statham and Jet Li before they were friends in Expendables. You know, so. Yes. I mean, you got... Before we found out that Jet Li was smaller. <laughs> so he has to travel further. Uh, exactly. Okay. Uh, and, and we still have one person who needs to review. Right, Johnny? Uh, yes, here's Tim with Sports War. This movie is a piece of crap. Um, it tries too hard to be a noir. It tries too hard to be stylish. It tries too hard to be smart and sleek. And it tries way too hard to be cool. And it is painfully obvious on top of all that, this movie is boring as shit. Um, I hate to admit this, but as I was watching it, I found myself thinking about other stuff. That's how bored I was. The action isn't compelling. Neither are the characters. There really just wasn't anything good about it. I mean, I guess I could say that some of the cinematography was good. And, and as the movie goes on, the movie gets a little bit better. But... I mean, there's only so much you can commend crap. You know, it, it, it stinks less, maybe. <laughs> you know, there, there, there might be a hint of almond, which kind of masks the smell of utter horseshit. You know, and, but still, I mean, you can't cover up shit. So I give this one 1.5 out of 5. Uh, you'll find yourself laughing at a couple parts. The acting isn't good. I thought... Uh, I mean, it it just it just was bad. I got the feeling that this movie was made by uh, by a Japanese studio, a full a full Asian crew, a full Asian director, um, and and then you had Jet Li that can speak English, and you have American actors uh, or English speaking actors, I should say, because Jason Statham is from the UK. 
and for some reason it's based in 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 San Francisco. So it felt like it was an Asian uh, a film that was solely produced by the an Asian film uh, company as an homage to an American noir. But that wasn't the case. There was no language barrier, uh, or one could say there was no language barrier, because the movie was not directed by an Asian guy. This is directed by, you know, an English-speaking gent. Um, and there was a crew behind them. So, there really was no excuse to how poor this movie was, just that it was poorly made. Um, Jason Statham tries, Jet Li tries, but there's only so much they could have done with the material. It's just stale, flat, and it just stinks. Again, 1.5 out of 5. Yeah, that's it. Excellent sports talk, sir. Excellent sports talk. (sighs) Now, I just have to bring this up. Because, you know, we we already kind of broke down the fourth wall. We're not, we're not talking to Tim right now. How mad is he at me <laughs> right now about the full stars thing? Like, I could see him going like, I was going to give this movie two stars, but now I'm giving it 1.75 because Johnny thinks he's smarter than me. Let me tell you, Johnny, this is your last fucking time on this show. And Matt, you're on thin fucking ice, buddy. <laughs> I don't think he would ever say that on the show, but I can guarantee you as he's listening to this to edit it, he's going to be thinking it. <laughs> For- forward me the texts. <laughs> uh, I will do that for show. All right. Well, so, so folks, if you're listening at home and this is the last episode of the SLS cast ever, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kill it. I'm a big fan. That's why I was really excited about my opportunity to come on. And kill the SLS cast. And kill the <laughs> SLS cast. Love you, Tim. Love you. All right. Well, the movies for next week, if there is a next week, are going to be Fantastic Four 2015's Fast Yes. We want to see just we, we just want to see how bad the train wreck really is. Uh, the Man from Uncle and Straight Outta Compton so that someone can at least tell Johnny how it actually is since he... You know, to, 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 to find out for him whether or not it's going to be worth a three-hour one-way trip to go see this movie. So, yes. yes. And I believe we are now down to the spiel. Uh, Tim's not going to be able to confirm that for us, but maybe you can, Johnny. Spiel on! All right. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS cast featuring Johnny White Trash this week. Johnny, give us your info. Uh, yeah, head over, uh, just uh, uh, available in ADHD and Twitter. I post links to shit all the time. There's... There's YouTube and Snapchat and Twitch, and there's even a podcast searchable on iTunes and Stitcher available in ADHD Monday through Friday. You know, give me 20 minutes or so, and I will make your whole day better. Outstanding. 
outstanding. And as for us, of course, trying to reach out to the SLS cast, you can find us at slscast.com. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS cast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at nitwit12345. You can climb aboard that information superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter if that's your heart's desire. Of course, again, follow our buddy here, Johnny White Trash, at available in ADHD. And of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. So until next week, this is Matt saying thanks to Jet Li. I get to say this. I remember when I was 11, I did some kung fu demonstrations in Hong Kong in 1974. And thanks to Ice Cube, I get to say this. Fuck the police. And that's it. That's the SLS cast. Normally the cries of soulless would be playing the show in and playing the show out and playing before the segments. But because, but because I don't, but because, but because I don't have access to any of that music, we cannot use it, so I am forced to sing to sing to you the in the outro in the segment songs again you were listening to the sls cast the sls cast the sls cast with your hosts matt and tim with your hosts a special guest host johnny 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 white trash from canada Available in ADHD, white trash from Johnny, not Johnny Whitewash, because I know your spell check wants to put whitewash and not white trash, because I think whitewash is technically one full word and not white trash. I think white trash is two words, maybe with a thingy in between to bring it together, but in proper English, uh, you know, ver- vernacular uh, whitewash, I guess, makes more sense in my phone. SLS cast, ah.